Assalamu alaikum. It is Monday, the eighteenth uh, of October, and uh, in our series, um, reflections on the Holy Quran. This is broadcast number two hundred and sixty-five, in which we are looking at the meaning meanings of the words of verse 93 of chapter 2 of the Holy Quran and this is the ninth broadcast in which we are looking at these words. Just to remind you that uh, the Lahore Amdiya community also known as the Lahore Amdiya movement and the Tahrik Amdiya and Amdiya and Minishat Islam etc was founded by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Sahib and our teaching, our beliefs are based on his teaching and his teaching was that although people say that uh, another prophet will come after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet was and the Holy Prophet explained by saying There is no Prophet after me. So uh, now we will not have another Prophet like, you know, Israelites had one Prophet after another. And his companions, Rasulullah, they asked him, they said, O Prophet of Allah, um, uh, in other nations, sometime after a Prophet passes away, people go astray. What will happen to Muslims if they go astray? And the Holy Prophet said that reformers, Mujaddadeen, will come to lead the people back to the correct path. And of course, when you have people who've been believing something or who've been practicing something, it may be wrong, but it's very difficult to um, bring them back to the right path. <clears throat> because the first thing people say is, well, who are, you uh, who are you to tell us what to do, what not to do? We saw our parents and our great-grandparents and everyone, they were doing exactly the same thing. And we hear this often. So, <clears throat> as I pointed out, that uh, this will lead to disagreement. But he also pointed to a very important saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, which was that um, if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are not a Muslim, you are a Kafir, you are a heretic, then this verdict of heresy 
returns and falls upon the person saying. So strictly did the Holy Prophet Muhammad forbid this practice. Azbik Mirza Ghulam Ahmed also taught us that although people <coughs> say that part of the prophetic revelation is missing from the Holy Quran. For example, they say Ayah Rajam is missing, Surah Walayat is missing, nothing is missing from the Holy Quran. All prophetic revelation is in the Holy Quran. And he said that God has said, I have revealed it and I will protect it. I will guard over it. So if God is watching over the Holy Quran and its content, then how can it be that part of it is left out and no one says anything? Again, Hazrat Sahib said that people say some of the Quranic verses have been abrogated. And uh, he said this is wrong. No verse of the Holy Quran was, is or ever shall be abrogated. And further, he said that jihad is a fundamental duty of every Muslim. But jihad as defined by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, not as defined by some jurist or some maulana or someone like that. And this is what people generally forget. While returning from fighting, the Holy Prophet Muhammad said, from the minor jihad, we are returning to the major jihad and went, then went on to explain that the major jihad is jihad bin nafs. Jihad against our own inner souls, our own inner selves. Against our desires such as greed and envy and hatred and you know there's a long list you know it and I know it. So I cannot stress enough the importance of this jihad being conducted by every Muslim, particularly every Ahmadi Muslim. So with that let us turn to <clears throat> The verse of the Holy Quran that we are looking at. A'udhu billahi minash rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wa'idh akhazna mithaqakum وَوَقَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورِ 
So let us look at my computer notes and see what gems I have for you. Right, yeah, Murukum, it has two segments. Ya Muru and Kum. Kum is the pronoun and Ya Muru is the verb. You must have noticed by now that pronouns are added at sometimes the beginning but mostly at the end of verbs and nouns. <clears throat> it occurs in the Holy Quran 248 eight times and uh, six in six forms that is this combination with other letters occurs six in six forms and total number of 248 times Now, 166 times it occurs as the noun Amr and 77 times as Amara. Well, that covers most of them. Then twice it's Ya Tamiru. Once as Ma 
Rat and once as Imr and once as Amirun. And mostly it occurs as Amar, which means to order, to command, he commands you, he orders you. The verse that we are discussing orders you, commands you. So that's the most common use of the word. So let us see. Oh, you'll have to give me a second while I get the pages on in order. Sorry about this. Oh. Uh. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong thing and uh, lost my page completely. <coughs> Not. Hamza Meem Ra, as I said is the root of this word, maybe I didn't say it, and um, this word Al-Amarato is actually used uh, for um, stones that were uh, uh, used in deserts for two reasons one to um, uh, mark the boundary of something and two to um, show travelers the path <clears throat> so this is why its literal translation is uh, sign marker indicator um, you know guide well, obviously, if you have a sign that says, you know, um, Dallas this way and um, San Francisco that way, then it's guiding you which path to follow. Um, a simple example is uh, of the, you know, the, the stones marking the, uh, the boundary of something is that um, I was on the continent with a friend and we were driving from Germany to Belgium. I was driving, he was in the passenger seat. And he fell asleep and uh, a while later he woke up and uh, he said, uh, um, are we still in Germany? I said, no, we've crossed the border into Belgium. And he was quite astonished and he said, how, why, when? I said, well, what happened? He said, well, where was the customs? Where was the immigration? 
And I said, there was no custom, there's no immigration, that's the whole point of having the EU. So he said, well, if there's no customs and uh, no uh, immigration, how do you know this is Belgium? And I said, well, a while back, there was a board there. It says, welcome to Belgium, drive safely. So we're in Belgium. So this is a modern form of exactly the same thing. Someone would put a rock or a group of stones, put a cross there or something. So that meant that, uh, you know, this was the end of the territory belonging to the city of Taif and you are now in, I don't know, wherever it was, uh, and so on. So, uh, <clears throat> because it means to guide, this is why the same word is used, the same root is used uh, to mean to consult. For example, you know, uh, when the Holy Quran talks about uh, uh, Moses uh, and he went and preached to uh, the Pharaoh, um, then in chapter 7, I think, verse 110, the word Ta'murun is used. Maza Ta'muruna. Which translated means, so okay, what do you advise? So you can see, Amr is the root of that. The same root has been used for uh, consultation. Um, it's also used to indicate uh, um, quantity of something, large quantity of something. Uh, but generally we know it to mean as a command or a matter, you know, an order. And uh, in many places in the Holy Quran, it's used uh, in that sense. In the Laha Yatmurupu, chapter 3, verse 67, God commands you, he orders you. And this is why Al-Amir means the ruler, the commander, the one who orders you. Allah Amrin Jami Jamiin, chapter 24, verse 63. It means something that affects everyone. You know, I mean, if the government is going to <clears throat> pull down a town and build a motorway, that affects everyone. So, um, um, everyone should be should be consulted uh, uh, in this matter. So, <clears throat> um, let me have a look at uh, some verses of the Holy Quran where it's used. With these meaning, so it, it, uh, chapter eleven, verse hundred and twenty-three, and every matter turns to him. 
basically meaning that you know he commands everything that happens ul innal amra kullahu lillahi yukhfuna fi anfusihim ma la yudduna laka yaquluna law qana lana min al amri shay chapter 3 verse 154 that tell them <clears throat> without doubt every matter everything is in god's hands and it's in the in the context uh, that you know some people have something else in their heart and they say something else but here's an interesting use of uh, the word وَأَمْرُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ And God's command has come. Now by God's command, what it means is the final reckoning. That has come. The Day of Judgment has arrived. قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّ Chapter 17, verse 185. Say that the soul is there because of God's command. And uh, I'll skip something and... Uh, move to chapter 37 verse 102 <clears throat> this is the verse where we told that uh, hazrat ibrahim alaihi salam is talking to hazrat ismail inni araya fil manami inni azbahuka fanzur maza araya qala ba abatif gatif al I, I have dreamt that I'm sacrificing you. I'm consulting you. What do you think? And he said, well, obey God's command. Obey whatever you have seen. Now here, the, uh, the dream that Prophet Ibrahim al-Aslam had, had in which he was sacrificing his son, The word used for that is Ma-tu-tu-par At the end of the verse. But the word is used because God is giving him a command in the form of a dream. Again, I commented on the following previously, chapter 16, verse 1. Ata amrullahi. And God's command arrived. And that was the punishment or the end of the day of judgment. So here, amr, God's command, but it stands for the day of judgment when everyone will be judged now 
there is some debate about uh, this verse. And the verse is chapter 3, verse 59. And that is telling us to obey those in authority among you. Now some people say, well, that only refers to Muslims. So if you're living, living in a non-Muslim country, for example, if you're West, in Western Europe and United States and Canada, then you, you need not obey their governments. And it is this kind of interpretation of the Holy Quran that is leading to so many problems for the Muslims. Muslims are going out and doing things and they're saying, well, you know, we don't need to obey the uh, <clears throat> the rules, the regulations, the command, commands of these governments. They're not Muslims. Some interpret it even more narrowly and they say that this only applies to the people at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And some make it even narrower and they say that this obey them only applies to the, the Holy Prophet's family. <clears throat> but my view is that, you know, God doesn't put these uh, distinctions and so on in his command. He is clearly saying, whichever country you live in, obey the laws of that country. But there is one very interesting discussion and uh, which is very justified um, and that is that uh, this refers to those decisions of the government, those rules of the government which are justified. Now you could say that, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Muslim or someone can always find something that is wrong, you know, with some order of the government and so on. <clears throat> but uh, I think an important point has been missed here. And Western legal theory only realized this at the end of the Second World War. Because what happened was that uh, many Nazis were uh, tried for uh, war crimes with genocide and so on. But these were all new things and new concepts. But anyway, and what was their defense? And they said, well, you know, what are you on about war crimes? We simply did, but we were told. Obey the rulers among you. This was their defense. Their defense was the, well, they didn't say it's a verse of the Holy Quran, but that was their defense. But 
Then this theory was developed that uh, a person, even a soldier, has a right to refuse to obey orders which are unjust, which breach the other party's human rights. Now, the interesting thing is the fact that these should be the orders that the government is giving should be justified in some manner. Even at the time of battle, we cannot go around indiscriminately killing people was first mooted by Islam. Hazrat Abu Bakr, it is recorded in history that when uh, um, he uh, sent an army, he gave them a long list of instructions. Number one, you will not kill non-competents, you will not kill women, you will not kill children, you will not kill sick people, you will not kill old people, you will not cut down trees, you will not destroy crops. And then specifically, interestingly, you will only kill the people who are fighting you, who are in combat. And I think so far as I know, it's the first time in the history of mankind that rules of war were laid down. And again, you know, they're based on this uh, uh, discussion in Islam about what uh, rules it is that you are bound to follow and which ones um, that uh, you can uh, you can reject and if you take that in line with Hazrat Abu Bakr's instructions it's easy to see that uh, the Quran the teachings of the Quran was interpreted by Hazrat Abu Bakr to show that uh, you cannot, you cannot violate people's human rights even at the height of battle. We run out of time, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view. So with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole of humanity free from harm and under his protection. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz and goodbye.